Hi, everyone. This is Olivia Kernikin, producer and editor for the Screen Strong Families podcast. Due to the difficult topics discussed in today's episode and out of respect for the victims of the Covenant school killing in Nashville this week, we will not be having any music during the episode. We also ask for a moment of silence for the victims and their families. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen problems in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I am so glad you are here today to hear this very important message from Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. As you know, there was a terrible school killing tragedy on Monday in Nashville involving the death of three children and three adults at the Covenant School. Today, we are going to talk with Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman about this topic. I feel like the regular show that we had today needed to be postponed. This is so critical. Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, thank you so much for coming on such short notice today. You bet. My, my honor. Always, I'm, I'm such a supporter of what you're doing. I want to tell all your listeners out there that I, I am your biggest fan. I've been, uh, you know, every police audience I talk to, every audience I talk to, I throw up screenstrong.com. You know, here's the people that can help you get your family. Uh, I tell them about what's going on and they're blown away. I show them the brain scan data and I always point them back to you as kind of a solution strategy out there. Thank you so much. Our audience loves you too. (laughs) So I just have to say that. And we have a huge audience today just waiting for us to discuss this. And and just our community has grown so much even over the last year. And we're just so thankful to have you come and help us process a little bit about what happened this week. I know that we have talked about this topic of video games and aggression before with you. So I just wanted to get you back on today. Um, You know, we have you, of course, in our parent course, and you have been so... Uh, instrumental just across the nation. And so many people have benefited from you. We love your book, Assassination Generation. And by the way, anyone listening, every single family who allows any type of violent video game to be played in their homes, this is a very, very necessary book to read. I don't think parents understand how powerful these activities are. And I certainly didn't. And you know, my story um, goes way back with my oldest son. And I am just so... um, close to this issue on so many levels. So the reason why we called you in today is because we know that the current killing was done by a gal who some describe as a fanatic gamer, but then she herself described herself as someone who loves binging on video games. So Lieutenant um, Grossman, can you start by giving us just a very, very brief background. I know a lot of people know you already, but just a very brief, brief background and share what your expertise is around these types of school killings. Well, you know, uh, I was a West Point psych professor, an army ranger. Uh, well, I was still in. I got out in 97. Uh, my book, uh, uh, On Killing, came out. Translated into seven languages now. It's uh, Google Scholars has been cited over 3,400 times in scholarly works. And it really has been the, the definitive uh, reference on the subject, and and, and I, I coined the term killology. Now, criminology is not about teaching people to be criminals. Killology is not about teaching people to kill us, but understanding the factors that enable and restrain killing in society. And I tell people, you point to that one terrible crime. Here's this, this horrific 
mass murder, this massacre of children in, uh, in, in Nashville. And, and notice that we use the word shooting. I'm so glad you used the word killing. Call it murders, call it mass murder, call it massacre, call it killings. But it, it, the media desensitizes us to these things when they call them shooting. Shooting's an Olympic sport, shooting basketball, shooting movies, shooting TV shows. That's just another shooting. But it's, it's a massacre. It's a mass murder. So the real question is, not that, not that one, in, we're a nation of a third of a billion people, not that one in a third of a billion terrible crime. You explained to me the 99.99% of our citizens will go a lifetime, never kill anybody or even try to. Explain that. Divorce, infidelity, layoff, traffic accidents, a lifetime of provocation. Less than one in a thousand citizens will even seriously attempt to take a life. There's this powerful array of social, physiological, psychological dynamics that restrain killing. We know how to turn them off, uh, we know how to turn them on, and we know how to turn them off. The military learned after World War II that realistic simulators would pop up targets, raise the firing rate in combat, and we know doggone well that video games are doing the same thing to our kids. Uh, we talk about it again in my book uh, uh, on combat. Both these books are Marine Corps Commandant's required reading for the last 20 years. But we really put it together in the book, Assassination Generation. I was invited to the White House as part of President Trump's roundtable on violent video games. Had a chance to give one book to the president. This is the one. And, and just to lay kind of a background here, I told him, with the video game industry all there, and, and I, I told him, sir, these guys are lying. I said, oh, we want to enforce the rating systems. I said, in, in 2005, the state of California overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to violent video games. The home of Hollywood, the home of Silicon Valley, overwhelmingly voted. The brain scan data was there. It was irrefutable. California voted to regulate children's access to violent video games. Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor. Arnold signed the bill, and the video game industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court. They said, we have a constitutional right to sell any game to any kid at any age. I slid my book across the table to the president. I said, here it is, you know uh, and they conned seven old men, seven Supreme Court justices, never played Pong in their life, and overturning the law. But what's really important are the dissenting opinions and, uh, and, the, and what's been established there. So I was invited back to the White House to brief the vice president again. Uh, I, my stuff cited in a national address by, uh, by, by the president of the United States. So, uh, it's uh, Bill Clinton back at that age. And uh, just have been able to influence events at the highest level. Coming back full cycle, though, uh, many, many scholarly works on this subject, but nothing I've done has had as much impact or as much effect as what's happening with ScreenStrong.com. You're mm -hmm. where it comes together. And all your listeners out there, we want you to understand they have the solution package. So that's me, uh, uh, 25 mm -hmm. years out on the road now, train cops in all 50 states, train school safety, train all federal agencies, uh, trained uh, People in over a dozen countries around the globe. Uh, it's hmm. been a good ride. It's uh, I'm 66 years old, and I pray I can do it for another 20 years. Yes, I hope you can too. I believe you, you can. Absolutely, it. I'll be right there with you. Um, but many people find it's it's very hard to believe that video games and video game violence can cause aggression, right? Aggression and violence. We've talked about this before, but talk a minute to us about just what happens in the brain when a child is overusing violent video games. From over 20 years ago, Melanie, we, we've had the brain scan data. Mm -hmm. And, and the, these violent video games put kids in a fight or flight mode. 
that these, these things are real to them. Uh, all violent imagery inflicted upon children causes immediate physiological responses, but the video games are far and away the worst. I, I, I tell people, you know, when, when we're two, three, four, five, six years old, we have trouble telling the difference between dreams and reality. You ever, you know, my, my son is closing on 50 now, a little while back, he asked my wife, he said, did I tell you that or did I just dream it? Hmm. She said, oh, you must have dreamed it. I don't remember. As adults, we've been there. As children, what you got to understand, it's all real. Dreams are real. Television and movies are real. The video games are real. And when they immerse themselves in these murder simulators, uh, it, it is so intense. And their body goes into fight or flight mode. Fight or flight hormones are flooding through their brain. We get catastrophic shutdown of forebrain processing. The forebrain, hmm. logical, rational part of our brain shuts down the midbrain. The survival brain takes over. Maybe even more important, we've demonstrated, proven, this catastrophic shutdown of left brain processing. The left brain is a logical, rational, predictive brain. You tell the kid, don't you understand? If you don't do your homework, you're going to fail. No, he doesn't understand. When you're fighting for your life, where your meal comes from tomorrow is not even on your radar screen. You tell the kid, don't you understand? You take a gun to school, your life is irredeemably over. There is no reset button. No, they don't understand. And so these, 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 this profound impact, there's operant conditioning, there's classical conditioning, there's social learning models, but the most powerful and pervasive right up front, irrefutable, is this, this fight or flight hormones flooding to the brain, the shutdown of forebrain processes, the shutdown of left brain processes. But even more so is the sleep deprivation that comes with the package. I've got a book coming out probably about two years called On Sleep, The mm -hmm. Tragic Impact of a Global Epidemic of Sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicides. You want to reduce suicides? But the best meta study on suicide said not only is sleep deprivation a key factor in suicide, it's the most remediable factor. People don't know that. The information is not getting out. Uh, and and, and this, this, this sleep deprivation is irrefutably part of the package with the video games. Yeah. The games are intentionally designed to put you into an alpha state. You become incapable of keeping track of time. A lot of us have been there. Suddenly it's four or five o'clock in the morning, got no idea where the last eight hours went, and it's time to get dressed and go to work. And you stagger into work with zero sleep that day. Oh, and oh, by the way, after 24 hours without sleep, you have profound Im impaired judgment equal to 0.10 blood alcohol level. So this this yeah. this civilization full of sleep prepared people is it, horrendous. Traffic deaths have exploded, pedestrian deaths have exploded, uh, uh, suicides have exploded, and it all comes back to this sleep deprivation that is an irrefutable, designed in, intentional part of these video games that make them impossible to turn off, to keep you watching uh, and, and playing all night long. And they don't care that they're killing people. They just want to sell their product. Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of people, you know, will criticize and say, well, you know, this particular killer, yeah, she was a gamer, but what does it have to do? There are plenty of gamers that don't go out and kill kids in school. And so I, I want to just talk about this for a minute, because to be frank, all I could think of when I was watching that school surveillance video, now I'm sure you've seen that, the video that shows this killer coming in, this girl. And when I watched this surveillance surveillance video, 
it looked exactly like a first person shooter game. I'm still not over it. I watched including including there's a character yes. with the red beret. Yes. And and, and there's a character that she, she's she's imitating. Now, get Jack Thompson on. I know we've had him on before. Uh, Jack will give you the direct link with this red beret female character, this Avenger character dressed like she was dressed. Uh, it, it, it's bizarre how they these models that they 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 replicate their crime ten thousand times, no exaggeration, ten thousand times across a lifetime. The the murder simulator, uh, they 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 wear the same clothing, they come and commit the act, and we can't connect the dots. So mm-hmm. here's what I tell people: people say, well, well, I play those games, I'm not a killer. I say, well, when I was a kid, I never buckled my seatbelt. I'm just fine. Mm-hmm. All my siblings, every kid I know, nobody buckled, until it became the law, nobody buckled their seatbelt. And we're all just mm-hmm. fine. Not every kid with a seatbelt and buckle died, but most ones died had their seatbelt and buckle. Right. Not every kid that plays a game becomes a killer, but all the killers played the game. This is the new factor. You know, these crimes have never happened in human history, and now they're everywhere. In just the last half year, Russia's had five multiple homicides in the school. Five school attacks in Russia. We don't even hear about it. It's happening worldwide. And, you know, Mexico's had a bunch. Canada's had a bunch. The first multiple homicide by a juvenile in the school was actually in Canada. Again, all of my book, Assassination Generation. Mm-hmm. These crimes have never happened. What is the new factor? Think like a scientist. Think like a detective. What's the new factor? It was never there before. We know darn well what it is. Mm-hmm. There have been definitive statements by the AMA, the APA, the Surgeon General, Attorney General, and Attorney General, again, that's saying that the harmful effects of violent visual imagery and now especially video games, the whole state of California overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to these games. And this evil industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court. They said, mm-hmm. oh, we have a rating system. Well, you know, we had seatbelts in my car, too, until it became the law. My mm-hmm. mom loved her kids, but until it became the law, she didn't buckle them up. And, and so this, this dynamic of protecting your kids, at least your kids are protected, and, and, and then making sure that your school protects your kids. It's such a tragedy in this day and age yeah. to see the window shot out. Yeah. Uh, the, the laminate film, we put on that glass. Uh, uh, it's chump change, a couple of hundred bucks worth of laminate film on that door, and, and those kids would be alive today. Wow. I, I, and we've, the, the refusal to even prepare for violence, half the price of a modern school building goes into fire code, but it's too much trouble to put the laminate film. It don't do any good, lock the door thing, shoot off the glass. And there's right. a simple answer that's been available for decades. Uh, it just We have to demand that our schools prepare. We can fix our kids. We can do the right thing with our kids. Yeah. But if the neighbor is raising a killer, a lot of other families going to pay the price. Oh, I know. And my heart just really goes out to to that mom. And I just want to, I just want to kind of reiterate this again. So we know that there is two things involved with this. There's the emotional side, right? The girl obviously was not right emotionally. Anybody who goes to kill a bunch of kids in a school is not right emotionally. But there's also this physical training, and this is what I want to really focus, you know, with with you on because this is your area of expertise. And I have raised a gamer myself and everyone on uh, listening to this show, if you know my story, you know, with our, with our oldest son. And so this is why this is so personal to me. And I can, I saw it. And yet as a mom, I just didn't know what to do about it. And of course, that's why Screen Strong is here. We're educating people on this, but there is something that happens in the brain of a gamer when they game day in and day out and day, it changes 
their personality. And so you've got this emotional side where if they have protective factors, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but if they have those protective factors in place, then hopefully their emotional side. And, and add in the chronic sleep deprivation. And then the, and then the, exactly. Cause see, he would, he would game all into the night and stay up till two and three o'clock until we were way in bed and we didn't even know, but the physical training. And so I just want you to explain to our listeners how like a flying simulator works, right? If, if, the, if the Air Force is teaching pilots to be pilots, they don't put them in an airplane, they put them in a simulator and they get in a simulator and they learn, they learn hours and hours and hours and hours until they get that classical conditioning or the way that you call it that repetition to, to fly. And the same is true with video games. So when my son ended up in the military, he ended up being a sharpshooter. Well, there was no... Um, mystery there. He had learned and I mean, and he applied it well in a, in a great situation at that point, but, but he was trained and, and explain how uh, video games really were first. These, these military games were first invented by the army, right? To train soldiers. Well, you know, in world war II, we found out that the majority of our soldiers wouldn't pull the trigger 15 to 20% of the individual riflemen would shoot at the enemy. Uh, the others are brave. They'd run ammo. They'd do whatever you ask them to, but they won't pull the trigger. Hmm. Uh, and this idea, you know, we recently saw, I don't know if you saw it, but it, it, many people picked it up. We've got a guy in the Ukraine fighting, and there's two of them fighting. And he has got a, he's got this webcam on as he's constantly GoPro on, and he's shooting and throwing grenades. But his friend is too afraid. His friend is huddled down, but his friend is loading magazines. He's handing him grenades. He's, 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 but that, that's history. Mm-hmm. Throughout history, we well, only a small percentage would be that shooter. And, mm-hmm. and the others would be able to do whatever you want to. But, but we found out the problem was in our training. We trained them to shoot bullseye targets. We have no known cases of any bullseyes ever attacking our troops. If you've been in the armed forces or in law enforcement in the last half a century, you never once shot a bullseye target. A man-shaped silhouette pops in your field of view. You hit the target, target drop. Stimulus response, stimulus response, stimulus response. Like a pilot in a flight simulator, like a kid in a fire drill, modern training makes killing a conditioned response. Remember, the hard thing to explain is not that outlier, that one in a third of a billion Americans commit this horrible crime. The hard thing to explain is the 99.999% who don't kill. There are safeguards, but we know how to take the safeguards off. We do it in the military. Just like flight simulators, we have killing simulators. Mm -hmm. We've gone beyond pop-up targets. We can do it now with a simulator that's incredibly effective. But but the same, what we give to soldiers with discipline to adults is being given indiscriminately to our children. The same killing enabling process is being given. And then we see this horrible crime and, 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 you know, and, and the media has this blood on their hands and they have one answer. Oh, it's all about the guns. Well, how those gun laws working out for Mexico? It's more complex than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we look around the planet, we're, we're, there's 80 nations on the planet more violent than us. And the vast, vast majority have those gun laws. How are they working out? It's more complex. It, 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 but the media has blood on their hands. They've got a point. Of, oh, it's the evil cops. Oh, it's, a, it's the evil guns. But they will never once point the camera back at themselves and accept any responsibility. And here's kind of the history behind that. Hollywood, TV industry, right up until the early 1960s, operated by a code. 
And the code said, we know the stories we tell our society have an impact. And we know we have a responsibility to tell stories that have a positive impact. A lot of the code could be said in three words, crime doesn't pay. Criminals will not be depicted in a positive manner. Law enforcement will not be depicted in a negative manner. And then in the early 1960s, they threw the code away. They said, we have no responsibility for the stories we tell your children. But a 30-second commercial where vast amounts of money it will modify the behavior of millions of people. So weeks and months and years of sick stuff fed to our children. They refused to accept any responsibility for a 30-second commercial with vast amounts of money. So they, they have blood on their hands. They have engaged in, in horrendous behavior inflicted upon children. And they desperately have to point the finger somewhere else. Please don't get sucked into these other, other distractions on the issue the, the core issue is them and protecting your child and, and turning this stuff off in your child's life to the yeah. utmost of your ability. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a second. Um, but, but, but first, I, I want to go back to this particular incident. So can you tell us what you know about this killer? Because we know now that this was a female. This is very unusual, isn't it, for it to be a female? You know, I, I, I'm so glad you keep calling this individual a killer as opposed to a shooter. Just just notice how we've been brainwashed and how often I, we use that phrase for a mass murder, for a massacre, for a killer. Yeah, I've been but listening this, to you for years. That's why I'm calling him killers. You're doing good. You're doing <laughs> okay. good. But, but this killer, this mass murderer, yes, these crimes are usually committed by males. But this individual has immersed herself into being a male. She, she, she claims that she's trans, that she... She's actually used a male body born in a female's, you know, female's mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. She, she, uh, she immersed herself into video games and she's really into vengeance on the video games, not just video games, but hunting down the people who ever offended her and with her superior skills, just, just hammering them. And these, this bullying, this viciousness that happens uh, in the video game environment, once they network out to other people, it, it is just horrendous, the environment that they're in. And, and she's part of that. So she, these crimes are very, very rare to committed by a female, right. but she has absorbed the, the male model of playing violent video games, of being a male, and, and, and she's like this perfect candidate for a female to take on this crime. Now, there's a lot of bad things that females do, the bullying and viciousness, but it is extraordinarily rare for females to be totally immersed in the violent video games, and it is thus extraordinarily rare for females commit these crimes. Here we've mm-hmm. got we've got a female totally immersed in these games, committing this crime. We know what's happening. Every single one of these killers have played these games. The Parkland school killer, uh, two different newspapers reported he spent 15 hours a day playing violent video games. Two newspapers on, on page five of section C and never mentioned it again. And they're the only media outlet that ever even mentioned it. Mm-hmm. The Parkland school killer, it, 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 this horrendous mass murderer, this all-consuming, all-pervasive thing in his life, 15 hours a day playing the murder simulators, and the media just blackballed it. They, they wouldn't mm-hmm. even talk about it. They will not point the camera back at themselves. They are desperate to right. try to point the blame in some other direction. But we can't let them do that, first not with our kids. And then how about we get the word about the neighbor's kids and, and things that we can do and pressure that we can put on this industry? 
Yeah. So in your opinion, based off everything that you've researched, and I know that this is, this is your lane that you live in, are all of the school killers gamers? Absolutely. Every single one. You know, it's funny. Um, somebody said, oh, they're all taking psychotropic medications. No, they're not. Uh, Dr. Jim McGee did a study of 19 school killers. In several cases, God himself couldn't get access to the medical records. Hmm. We, we only know one who was on psychotropic drugs because he said so. The, uh, he was on an antidepressant, one of the Columbine killers. I never say their names, never show their pictures. But one of the Columbine killers said, I must stop the drug to build my rage. He's the only one. God himself, how do these people even claim to know they're all on psychotropic drugs? But it's easy to know that they're gamers. All I got to do is ask their friends and boom. Every single time we ask the question, every time, this is what floats to the top. So the video game industry had all these distractions. Oh, it's the antidepressants. No, it's not. It, it, it's the ADD drugs. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, it, it's the evil guns. It's the evil cops. No. First and foremost, it's them. What is new in our civilization? Mm -hmm. Yes, the psychotropic drugs are new, and we've demonstrated they are not the new factor. It keeps coming back to the visual imagery and then the, 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 the horrendous murder simulator that these children are, are, are consuming for, for yeah. thousands of hours. You know, one of the killers uh, ultimately went on a, a crime spree. It's in the book, Assassination Generation. But he said, I look back at my life and I saw that several years of my life was spent playing this game. Mm -hmm. And I realized how hollow and empty and worthless my life is. And it's just a small step to going from saying, I've done nothing with my life. I spent years playing a game. And, and I realize yeah. how hollow my life is. And this is one step further to say how, how useless my life is and to take your own life. And the games, the games teach suicide by cop. And, and you get extra points when you're killed by cops as opposed to killing yourself wow. and you restart the game. It's all, all this pathology is woven into the games. Please Say that again about suicide by cop. Yeah, there, there are many of the games where you actually, they teach you how to commit suicide by cop and you get extra points by going out in a blaze of glory by being mm -hmm. killed by cops. And in most mm -hmm. of the games, that suicide is a route to restarting the game. You don't like where it's at? You don't just hit restart. You kill yourself and start over again. Yeah. So these are suicide simulators. And then we wonder where this, this stuff is coming from. The sleep right. deprivation, the suicide link, the video game, the suicide link is irrefutable. Oh, there's so much to talk about with this. I, I, what I want to do though, is from your expertise and perspective and all the experience you have with this, tell us how screen strong can encourage parents. Tell us how we can encourage parents not to, to get caught in this lie of thinking that all these violent video games are fine and they're benign and they're neutral and there's nothing wrong with them. I, I, I know the one thing that you and I have talked about in the past has been um, about the protective factors. And when you look at this case with this particular case on Monday, what would you say was some red flags, I guess? I mean, uh, hindsight's, you know, wonderful. But uh, to be able to look back in your opinion, what were some of the things that possibly from what you know about this case set this individual up for failure? Or do you, you know, know, we have, we have, I have, hundreds of millions of gamers around the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, several hundred million are online right now playing online games, and every one of them is being, being tracked. 
And they know if we do this, uh, 5% are all good time to save and quit the game. So they never do that again. It's this cost of interactive dynamic. So why of all the hundreds of millions of people out there, did, does this one become the killer? Now, we know this is the factor. But why does this become the, the, the new factor in the equation? And, and the answer is, uh, we're not sure. Yeah. There's just so many variables in the equation. We know it's a factor. It's kind of like the relationship between tobacco and heart disease. Now, there's a lot of factor in heart disease. Mm-hmm. We've got genetics. We've got, uh, we've got cholesterol levels. We've got, we've got exercise. We've got obesity. And, and, and we've got tobacco. So when a specific individual gets heart disease, was it genetics? Was it obesity? Was it, was it uh, you know, a, a sedentary lifestyle? Was it, was it diet? Or was it medication? Or, or was mm-hmm. it tobacco? We don't know. Mm-hmm. We, we can't say, but we know this. If you smoke, your probability of heart disease goes way, way up. Yeah. And if you play these games and immerse yourself in these games and immerse yourself in, in, a, in a world of grievance, in which the world has done you wrong. You know, yeah. the, 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 the people who, who say, look, you know, I, I don't agree with your lifestyle. Well, that's their right to say that. But these individuals believe they have the right to kill you if you disagree with them. Right. <laughs> you know, those who disagree with the lifestyles don't say, you know, the, the faith community doesn't say, I, I have the right to, to, to come and hunt you down and kill you because you disagree. No, we don't. But these individuals immerse themselves in a grievance environment. They're in an echo chamber of individuals who echo this grievance of how how society has maltreated them and how this is genocidal and this is is Hitler and and all of these things that they're doing to me. Uh, And and, and, and this is so bizarre. And and so this grievance becomes part of the equation. The video games, this this echo chamber of hate uh, and and this idea that, that these crimes... Uh, are, are, are a logical response. So you add this entire culture that says the purpose in life is to pay back the people who have done you harm. Now, as we understand, this killer went to that school in the third grade for less than a semester. Mm-hmm. But she's got this grievance against the school mm-hmm. that goes back over 20 years. Yeah. They go back and, and, and with this grievance and, and, and that, that, that culture that feeds this grievance mindset Instead of forgiveness, instead of instead of grace, instead of forgetting, we immerse ourselves in a culture in which which paying people back becomes the goal. And this was apparently this girl's great role online was go back and, and pay back all the people that had done her harm and and that, that and, and, and to be a, an avenger in the video games. It's a small step from doing that countless times to turning around and finding somebody who offended you in the third grade and go back and attack that school. Well, and when you practice it over and over and over every day for hours every day, and, and this is what I'm always amazed at, how they even know how to use the the weapons. You know, um, when you practice something over and over and over, it just becomes second nature. And and I know even with my son, and he would say that you, you have a real fuzzy um, boundary between the virtual world and the real world, it all kind of becomes fuzzy. And so his virtual world that he was living in was very real to him. And this makes perfect sense from someone who is distorted psychologically and who has problems. This is just going to become the thing that they do. And they're actually living that character. But, but I'm always just telling parents, yes, not every gamer, of course, is going to do this. That is true. That is absolutely true. But 
in order for a killer to do this, they they have to be trained and they are trained yes. on the game. There's no question. And they do teach skills without a doubt. They teach site focus. They teach site dynamics. They teach tactics. They, yes. It's a very small transition. You know, we have the example in Paducah, Kentucky, a high school freshman, uh, never fired a pistol before in his life. Yes. Stole a pistol from a neighbor's house. Now he's been in the point and shoot simulator for, for years. He played the simulator, the duck hunt type pistol simulator for years. The video so he's been game. in the simulator. He buy he steals a pistol. He fires one magazine of ammo on a previous night. That's what we call transition training. You know, pilots today don't get in a real plane until they've got hundreds of hours in the simulator. And then they do that transition training and they get in a real plane and they're automatically functioning at a very high level. And the more realistic the simulator the more, the greater the fidelity of the simulator, the more realistic the simulator, the more the ease of transition and reality. Yes. So these simulators are truly teaching skills. You can't deny that flight simulators teach flying skills, and you can't deny these skills teach, these games teach killing skills. Yeah. But here's a quote from the El Paso Killers Manifesto. Now, I showed this to the vice president when I was invited to his office. It, and the, the, the El Paso, remember the guy in the El Paso Walmart Massacre. Yes, yes. All right, this guy in his manifesto said, don't attack heavily guarded areas. Now stop. They're not looking for a gunfight. They're going to go. We've never had a, a multiple homicide in a school with armed educators. And there's a lot of that happening across America. God forbid it happened tomorrow. We've never had a multiple homicide with two exceptions in a school where there's an armed cop present in the school. Hmm. And those two exceptions were, uh, were El Paso, Texas, and uh, Oxford, Michigan, in both cases, as soon as a cop got there, not, not another kid died. Hmm. If there's somebody there that can shoot back, they don't even try. When they do try, it's a whole different story. So mm-hmm. here's what the killer in El Paso, that Walmart massacre said, don't attack heavily guarded areas to fulfill your super soldier call of duty fantasy. He flat said what he's doing. Wow. He's turning his fantasy into your reality. He's going for the big game. He's going for the big bucks. He's going to make the bold statement. He's going to turn his fantasy into your reality, fulfilling your super soldier Call of Duty fantasy. I showed it to the vice president. He said, why wasn't that the news? Yes, sir. Why wasn't that the news? They will not point the camera back at themselves. This is an evil industry, systematically selling death and, Mm -hmm. and sleep deprivation to children at all levels and refusing to accept the least amount of responsibility. Yeah. And so the parents are on their own, but they've got good help with, uh, with greenstrong.com. And, uh, and you're, I tell you, every class I talk to, I, I throw up their website. I tell them, here's where to go for you and your oh. family to well, start. We're, to start. We're trying. We're trying to educate everyone so these things will stop happening. And I, I want to start wrapping up here. Thank you so much for your time. But I, I want to just dive in a minute to the protective factors that are so critical that every parent out there can do. And I'm going to call off a couple things and you add to it. So the first thing on the list I have is family connections. The next thing is school success. You know, you want your kids to be successful in school with their teachers and having positive attitudes and relationships no, and, there. And let's stop there now. Yeah. Your gamer, your basic gamer is losing family connections. Yes. And they're losing school success. So here are two of the protective factors, what we can automatically, irrefutably demonstrate. Yes. That all these hours on the game and all these hours, uh, are they're, they're, they're stopping family connections and they're stopping school, school success. Right off the bat, 
We can right. say that the enemy of these two positive factors is the video game. Yeah. And then the next one is social connections with friends in the natural world. That does not happen when you have a gamer who has transitioned over to his virtual world for his yes. social connections. Yes. They don't have real, they don't have real friendships. They, they don't have, because these virtual friendships are not real. And they don't have, the other thing I think is an incredibly important protective factor is the community involvement. Mm, yeah. yeah. When children and young people like this person is not connected to their community, then, you know, it becomes so easy to hurt your community, right? When you're not connected. Absolutely. You know, uh, we've got, in our little town, one of the best playgrounds for, for miles around. Mm. And uh, I walk past that playground, take the dogs for a walk once a day, or we drive past that place every day. And, and there's one or two, on a nice day, there's one or two lonely kids in this amazing playground. Mm. And, and we got to understand that parks and playgrounds are essential to the health of a city. Yes. Parks and playgrounds, you know, back to Sim City, right? Not a bad game there. There's some good ones out there. Parks and playgrounds are essential to the health of a city. So what does it mean when you have empty parks and empty playgrounds? Yes. You have a sick yes. city. Every time you drive past the park or the playground and there's one or two lonely kids out there, you say, we have a sick city. Yeah. There's thousands of kids sitting at home right now, ought to be out in this park. And and, and this is just a, a symptom of this this illness in our society uh, in which they're holed up in their homes and and, uh, and 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 with this this hollow world that they're being given instead of getting out the door and going and playing in the park. Uh, a great study was done recently on what gives happiness. And they were studying Twitter messages and they were looking for key happy words. You know, euphoria, it was wonderful, it was joyful, it was fun. And, and Christmas came out on top, right? And the other thing that was absolutely on par with Christmas was parks. Whenever huh. somebody talked about a park, they talk about the joy that we have. They talk about they talk about how how fun it was, and 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 so parks are just so essential to our wellness. They're on par with with Christmas out there waiting for us every day. And we don't even do it, right. and our children aren't doing it. It's not just the bad stuff they're getting; it's the good stuff they're not getting. They're not getting. And the other piece to that is exercise. Right. If a yeah. gamer is gaming five hours a day or more, they're not getting enough exercise and they're not finding purpose in a variety of hobbies. Many gamers say, well, this is their only hobby and they have no other hobbies. Yeah. So these are all protective factors that you can look at. I think at we add another. I think the time has come. We really can lock in another one, which is which is uh, it is healthy sleep. Oh, I have that on my list right here. Boom. Yep. There you go. I, I got it right oh. on here. All right. And I've got the, the warning signs too. You have to understand what the warning signs are for mental health, but then I have sleep as one of the most Absolutely. protective factors. Yes. If, if, if a brain is getting enough sleep, then we have fewer mental health problems, right? It's all kind of a domino effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, my, 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 graduate level training at new school at en route to West Point as a professor was in counseling. And the very first thing we're taught is the body has to be healthy. Yeah. How long has it been since you had a good meal? Right. How, how long has it been since you had a good night's sleep? And, and, and all that counseling in the world is not doing any good for somebody who hasn't had a meal in days or haven't had a good night's sleep in days. Well, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't help the mind until the body's healthy. Yeah. And that's part of the equation in there. And this this dynamic that's happening, all the things you're mentioning here, the 
the unhealthy state of these children. It's just heartrending. Yeah. And games, it's not that games are all bad. And I don't want people to hear me say that, although, you know, I don't think kids need to be playing violent video games at all, but I'm just saying that what it replaces. And so what can we do as parents? The first thing that we can do is not get desensitized to this. I remember the first few times I saw violent video games, I almost threw up. I was so upset. And then after a while, it's like, oh, well, yeah, there he is, Adam, again, you know, shooting somebody's head off. You, you kind of get desensitized to it. When in doubt, if you are a parent and you have some doubt in your gut that that game really isn't right for your kid, you need to throw it out. You know, we cannot monitor every single scene that they're seeing in these games. If you have not played the game that your child is playing, don't allow it. They get good at what they practice. And when a child is classically trained to pull the trigger over and over again, they're going to get good. Is that what you, is that what you want for your kids? But see, Lieutenant Grossman, most people don't even, most moms, I will say most moms do not know the games their children are playing, but you have to know as a parent. It's a baseline obligation. It's a baseline. But you know, I I talk about the, the, the video game, rating system. Many lies for the price of one. You know, the, the worst games are called them. Yeah, mature. I'm mature, dad. I, I'm mature, mom. I can play a mature game. But mm-hmm. they, they, they've got T-rated games. And Fortnite is kind of like the, this tool that they've had is rated T. It, it shouldn't be. But even if your child's younger than 13, you can tell them that people who made this game say you shouldn't play the game until you're 13. And the people who made the game. Yeah. And my boys say that after 13, you don't even play Fortnite because it's like a baby game. So it's crazy because everybody who's younger than 13 are the ones that are playing it. So I want, so I do want to wrap up and I want to talk about that real quick. The game ratings are out there. Do you know the ratings, you know, for the games your kids are playing and most parents, and I raise my hand, I'm guilty with my oldest son. Don't think the ratings or are for them. Okay. They just somehow, I just thought, oh, well, you know, Adam was just smarter than everybody else out there. And those ratings are for the people who maybe, you know, aren't as brilliant as he was. You know, I don't know what I thought, but I I was very adamant about R-rated movies, but I wasn't about the video games. And it was my fault. And understand that the M-rated games, NC-17 is what we used to call X-rated movies. Yes. The M-rated games are the same as X. Would you let your child watch X-rated porn movies all night long? Would you right. let your 12-year-old? And that's what you're doing. And we say, well, you know, he can he can maybe see an R movie. No, no. No. This is an X. This is hardcore violent porn. Violent. It's 13 and, and you know, it's, it's 17 and above only yeah. M-rated games. Yeah. But I'm mature. Every kid's mature. Yeah. Every parent wants a mature kid. This, this sickness. Yeah. Where they take the most evil games and they gave it the most desirable possible term of mature. Right. But it's like playing, it's like watching a porn movie. I mean, parents wouldn't allow that. It's the same mm-hmm. way with these games. Yeah. And it's all sort of cartoon. So you think, oh, well, it's okay because it's just a cartoon. And we know, and that's a whole other show, but we know that the cartoon violence is just as real as the uh, real violence out there. So let's just, just everybody out there listening, I'm going to give you some warning signs. I, I just think it's really important to just nail this really quickly. Of course, it's time and content. You you have to limit the time. You have to be extremely aware of the content. But a couple of the warning signs are their use is increasing over time. They are pulling away from relationships and being secretive and lying. And I know this was true with this gal. They are having meltdowns when they're forced to unplug. They are um, 
not doing as well in school or at their job, they seem depressed. They are, like I said, isolating. And I think the biggest warning sign is that mom, and I'll say mom, I know dad uh, sometime too can, but, um, but I'll say that mom has a gut feeling that something isn't right. And, and I know from talking with FBI agents and police officers that deal with a lot of child predators and missing children, and they say, every one of them says, we always believe the mom, and we, she somehow knows, like she, whatever she's like, you know, we follow the leads that she gives us because somehow she knows, and we don't know how she knows, but somehow she knows. And I just want to re- reach out to everyone listening today. If you have, a child who is addicted to their video game. This is a, a real sobering moment for us all to think about cleaning our house in this area. We have a detox on our site. We have a parent course. We're working right now on a student course that we're so excited about. Take a break. Get your child a reset. They need to reset. Even if your child's going to be fine and and you really think that the all this violent gaming is not going to hurt them just just do a reset just do a reset introduce some more hobbies introduce some more family time stop working so many extra hours and just invest some more time right now in your kids lieutenant colonel david grossman we are so thrilled to have you today can you leave us just with a word of encouragement for these parents who are possibly just tearful right now over the fact that they have an addicted gamer in their house. They love their child. They don't know what to do. Can you encourage them? How are you going to encourage them? Yeah. You know, uh, the model I like to hold up is this amazing lady who had a son who was a gamer. And, and he imploded. He went to college and imploded. And she wrote some really amazing books. And she started a, 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 a whole movement and, and I got a website called ScreenStrong.com. Oh, and I really, I really think it's one of the most powerful and, uh, and motivating wow. and inspirational models that I can give you. They, we can turn that tide. And, and they can come and say, as adults, it, say, uh, the children say, I, something was wrong here. Yeah. I, I also yeah. see this. I've heard this over and over again. Kids are sullen. They're surly. The grades are bad. Their performance is bad. You take their video games away. Take their cell phone away. Boom, they improve. Yeah. You give the games back and boom, they nose die. Grades are bad, sullen, surly. Take it away, boom, they improve. We saw this with our own grandkids. A couple of rides on that roller coaster, and very often you hear this. Keep those games away from me. I don't like who I am when I play those games. Now, that kid could never know there was another person out there. They could never know there was another possibility out there if we didn't detox them. Yeah. And they can see it for themselves after a couple of rides on the roller coaster, make it clear to them, point it out to them. And, and, and their own body, when given the opportunity, will reject this stuff and say, I don't like who I am when I play those games. There is truly hope. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. There is hope out there. And we are here to help you. If you have not gotten the, the book, Assassination Generation, please go order it right now. Everyone who has a child who plays video games needs to read this book. It's very logical. It's very scientific. Read it to your kids. Read it to your gamer. Read it to your husband, to your spouse, to all the people, to your teachers at your school. It is absolutely critical to read that book. Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, thank you so much for sharing your passion and your heart. And if anyone has questions for him, they can email us and we'll be happy to get those 
to you, but thank you for getting out there and doing everything you can to stop this and to raise awareness and to educate parents. Thank you so much. It's a two-way street, Melody. Iron sharpens iron. And you're out there doing mighty deeds. I'm, I'm honored to be associated with you. God bless and stay safe and God bless America. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening today. This has been a very tough show. And I've just been grieving all week about it because I've been so close to this issue with so many families. So please let us know if you need help. Get on our website and go into the Connect Forum. There will be parents there to reach out um, to you if you need help. Remember, we've got your back and we're not going to let you do this alone. We are here to help you and we're here to help you remove the screen conflicts from your home. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.